All right, last Sunday we started the new year off with a message called Resetting Your God Focus. Resetting Your God Focus. And we talked about the fa- some things that we really need to lock in our focus on and how that we really need to have a moment, particularly at the beginning of the year, to reset, recalibrate ourselves on these specific areas of focusing. The last one that I mentioned to you, which I said I would pick up and emphasize today, was the need to really recalibrate our spiritual disciplines. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you on the subject of spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. Spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. All of us are familiar with the instructions of Jesus that we find clearly as one of the most important commands and instructions we have in all of the Bible, where Jesus himself instructed us to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We know that as a great commandment. Amen? Can you read it with me? Love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart. Let's say it again. All of your heart, soul, and mind. Here's the question. How do we do that? I mean, what does that really practically look like, and how is that feasible? This morning, I want to suggest to you that a key to being able to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind is directly connected to how we employ spiritual disciplines. Go to a scripture with me, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding a promise for both the present life and the life to come. Notice it starts off by saying physical exercise, training, physical training is fine but it encourages us to train ourselves to be godly. It's interesting that in the original uh, Greek language, the word for train comes from the the Greek word gymnasio, which we get our English word today, guess what? Gym or gymnasium or gymnastics. It has to do with the idea of working out for a specific goal. So what he's saying here is we need to train ourselves to be godly. Uh, some people always love to joke about this verse because it talks about physical exercise, physical training, and it says, for physical training is of some value. Just some of you are like, well, I don't need to do any of that. It's just, you know, it's of little value. It actually means it has some value, but it is given to us as a contrast with spiritual disciplines. So it's saying, yes, physical training, physical disciplines are of some value, but godliness, everybody say godliness, has some incredible value, in fact, value for all things and all times, holding promise for both today, but also in the life to come. So it's drawing a contrast between physical disciplines, physical exercise, and spiritual training and exercise. If you decided that you wanted to become an Olympic-level gymnast, guess what? Your daily life would be defined and dominated by certain disciplines. Am I right? Yeah. Just about every athlete understands this. My son, my grandson, 
um, uh, I have three granddaughters and, and one grandson. My grandson finally got permission from his mom last year to play football. So he's a freshman in high school, and oh, he was so pumped and excited. So literally starting the day that his mom gave him permission, which was like Christmas a year ago, he started working out every day. Now, they were, they were in school, in class, but every day he would get up early, he'd work out. He'd come home from school, he'd run three to five miles every day. He was working out, lifting weights, exercising, doing everything. I mean, he was online learning everything. He'd get together with his neighbors, and they'd go work out, and they'd run. All about his physical training to get himself ready for fall football. Anyone who undertakes a significant physical task understands that getting into a training regimen and disciplining yourself significantly is what's required to achieve much. Am I right? We're all familiar with that. Just about every athlete has to train if they want to win. They follow uh, all kinds of disciplines in order to accomplish that. In the same way, every Christian must make their faith strong through spiritual disciplines. So nobody is going to be able to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos for months and hope to compete. Can I hear an amen? All right. The best athletes, the most accomplished athletes, are intensely disciplined. They put themselves through a regimen of discipline that affects exercise, nutrition, all kinds of things. And guess what? In the process, there's a lot of sacrifices that are made. Certain things that they're not doing, not able to do, don't give themselves the freedom and the liberty to do that. Why? Because they're, quote, in training. I have friends who uh, do lo lots of long-distance running, and it's frequent for them to say, I'm in training. I'm in training. Whether you're in training for a race or whether you're in training for athletic competition, you're in training for something. And frequently I ask myself, I wonder how many Christians have the mindset of, I'm in training. I'm in training for godliness. I'm in training to please God with the way that I live. I'm in training. I'm actually in boot camp right now. I'm telling people right now, these 21 days, you need to treat this like it's a boot camp. It's tough. It's hard, and it requires some very intentional decision-making in order to train yourself for godliness. They follow strict diets, exercise regimens. They want to force and beat their body into peak physical condition so that when the game is on the line, they're ready. What about Christians? What about followers of Jesus? We know that that's true for physical conditioning, could it also, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4, be true for spiritual conditioning? The sad reality is that many followers of Jesus are unfit. We are unfit because we're undisciplined. To be fit requires discipline. As much as we don't want to talk about it, I recognize it this morning as I speak about spiritual disciplines. This is not a hallelujah, rah, rah message. So I don't expect you to be shouting and screaming and jumping up and down and all excited because it's like, oh man, I've got to discipline myself. 
How many of you know that the moment someone goes into training, usually for the first weeks or so, they're like, man, this is not fun. This is hard news. But at some point, it becomes a part of their habits and a part of their normal life. Am I right? As soon as the, the muscles stop burning and all of a sudden you're not as sore anymore and you're able to actually undergo your discipline appropriately. Now, well, let me just remind you a couple of things that have been said by some uh, well-known authors who write in the area of spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is simply the journey we have to become like Jesus. And all of us as Christians, once you come to Christ, did you know that you're on a journey? From the moment that you come to Christ and make Jesus the Savior and your Lord, you begin a journey. And unfortunately, many Christians don't do very well on that journey. Unfortunately, many Christians never apply discipline to their own experience. But it is very important. Richard Foster, who's known for writing about spiritual disciplines, says this, the goal of the Christian life is not getting us to heaven, but getting heaven in us. Oh, I know a lot of Christians who are going to go to heaven. They have eternal life, but there is very little heaven working through them. There is very little amount of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that is evident through their behavior, through their words, through their choices, through their priorities, and through their disciplines. It's simply a sad reality. I like what Henry Nouwen said, because a lot of people today tell me things like this. They say, Pastor, this, you know, this 21 days couldn't come at the most inconvenient moment. Pastor, do you realize everything that's going on in life right now? You just don't realize. I mean, this is, this is not a good time for me to try to embrace a spiritual boot camp. I mean, I've got this going on, and this is going on, and this is happening in our community. This is happening on my job. And they give me every imaginable excuse for saying this is not a good time. I like what Henry Nouwen says when he says, it is precisely in times of spiritual dryness that we must hold on to our spiritual discipline so that we can grow into new intimacy with God. Don't let your current spiritual place or lack thereof be an excuse not to press into the development of spiritual disciplines. Don't lack the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on in your job or your household or the nation to in any way dissuade you from going through a season, a boot camp season, of putting into practice spiritual disciplines. In the same way that as someone who is in training for a physical feat or to get ready for a game or a competition that's on the line, they have to begin by doing that with what? A firm decision. Someone once said it this way, nobody ever just drifts into discipline. I've got news for you. If you haven't pre-thought and pre-planned your entry into 21 days where you're going to be fasting regularly of one thing or the other, if you haven't already thought about it, if you haven't already planned it, I've got bad news for you. You're not going to do very well initially. In other words, just saying, well, you know, I get around to it. You know, I'll think about you know, what I'm going to fast from and how I'm going to live my life. It doesn't work that way. You can't just drift into discipline of any kind, much less a discipline that you want to be integrated into your lifestyle. So we're here this morning to talk about this verse of Scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're here to talk about training ourselves 
to be godly. Now, please remember, disciplines don't earn you extra points with God. A lot of people get into this discussion of spiritual disciplines and they really get locked in, they get really tough, and they're getting themselves into spiritual fitness and shape. And it's, they're doing it out of the motive of, I'm trying to impress God. I'm trying to get brownie points with God. Someone once said it this way, disciplines do not earn us favor with God or measure spiritual success, but these, these are exercises which simply equip us to live fully and freely in the present reality of God. So we're not all about, we're not trying to impress God. We're trying to prepare ourselves to be used by God in this present age. Now remember, these disciplines require, while they may be spiritual, they require physical action. These are disciplines that only begin with a firm heart level decision, an act of your will, and they're only effective as you add physical actions to these. And those that I've chosen to present to you this morning, these seven disciplines, uh, are things that will require a physical decision to do them. All right? So how many are ready for, to learn seven of them? All right? By the way, some of you, you may research this and you're going to find some people as five spiritual disciplines, some people seven, and some people nine, and some people 12, and some people 21. So I figured about, about all we could handle this morning was seven. All right? So I'm going to give you what I think are seven really, really important key spiritual disciplines. None of these, well, maybe one of them will be a surprise to you. But most of them are not going to be a surprise and you're not going to go, oh, wow, that's some great revelation. Now these are the basics. This is what I call meat and potato teaching, all right? So it's just the basics. But how many of you know if you don't eat the basics, you're never going to be healthy? Right. All right, so let's deal with these seven spiritual disciplines. We'll start with number one, the Word of God. The Word of God. When I talk about the spiritual discipline of the Word of God, I'm talking about giving your attention to the studying, to scriptures, through study, meditation, reading, and confession. We know that the Word of God, according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, is alive. The Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It will judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Let me tell you, the Word of God will work. God's Word will work its, its purposes, but we have to work the Word. The Word of God is not going to be just automatic in what it's doing in your life if you're not consuming it. You can sit there and look at broccoli for days, but if you don't stop and eat the broccoli, it won't do you any good. Can I hear an old man, me or whatever it may be? The Word of God is one of the most central basic disciplines, consuming the Word. Now, there's different ways to consume the Word. Some of the primary ways are these, uh, but we'll, we'll start by reading, just reading the scripture. This ought to be a regular daily discipline. And for most of you that have been walking with Jesus anytime, that's not new to you that you should be reading the Bible every day. We're really good about making sure that we eat regular three full meals and usually snacks on the side. And yet we'll go for days without reading the Bible because we don't recognize it's spiritual nourishment, and we need it. 
You can just read. And use, you can develop a plan. You can use different plans. You can do a read the Bible through in a year. Uh, Pastor Josh Leota was just telling me the other day that uh, he just got through in 2021. I was so proud of him. He said, I completed it. I read the whole Bible through in a year. And some of you have tried it and you got stuck in Leviticus and gave it up. I, I know I've heard the stories. So you could read the Bible through in five years. But the point of the matter is you need to be consuming the word simply by reading it. Reading it is based on volume, not on deep digging and probing. All right, there's a place for that. I'll get to a second. But what I suggest you do is read for volume. Just It's like you're just re- reading it, just letting it wash over you. You don't have to understand every single thing that you read. You may not know who Melchizedek is. You're just reading it, and you're just taking it in, and you're just consuming it and consuming it and consuming it. I like to recommend people to, to literally consume chapters a day. And, and some of you may be ready for that. If not, just start off someplace. Uh, one of the things that I found helpful is, is reading a psalm a day and reading a proverb a day. And it's easy in Proverbs because there are 31 Proverbs. And you can just simply follow the calendar. Whatever day it is, you go to that proverb. So if it's January the 5th, you go to what? You go to Proverbs 5 and you read that proverb. So you're reading a psalm a day, you're reading a proverb today, and I always read something from the New Testament. And that, and, and that at least keeps me at least having some basics that I'm simply reading. It's amazing to me. Uh, now, some people, I know some people who don't read anything. I mean, they don't read anything. But I'm shocked at the people who have a large amount of consumption of material and information, but neglect the reading of Scripture. And I'm like, are we really serious about following Jesus if we're just not going to read the Bible? So whatever it is, start somewhere. Start building that into one of your disciplines. And then, of course, they're studying the Scriptures. Studying is different when you're actually taking a deeper dive into the understanding of the words and the phrases, the context, and things. And study, once you get into it, it's one of the most pleasurable, enjoyable things that you can do is studying the Bible. But it's different than reading. But studying is important. And the Bible tells us that that God's looking for us to be approved as good students. Those who uh, do not need to be ashamed to correctly know how to handle the word of truth. That's found in 2 Timothy 2.15. You need a little help learning to study the Bible. Uh, Our small groups are really help because many of them, uh, our small groups are about two things. Very simply, connect and grow. They're about relationships and equipping. And many times what we're doing is we're working our way through a particular study. So uh, there was a group, for example, recently uh, worked their way through uh, the book of James. Uh, There's others that work in their way through the uh, Song of Solomon. Uh, There's new groups coming up that will have different areas of equipping and focusing. But it forces you, because you're doing it as a group, to study the Word of God together. Of course, in addition to reading and studying, you should also learn to meditate. Meditate. Now, meditation in the Word of God is not the same as uh, Eastern mysticism, all right? It's not the same. In fact, Christian meditation simply means to reflect, repeat, mutter, to ruminate on something from the Word of God. Scripture speaks about it a lot. 
Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, the psalmist says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice the correlation between meditation and confession. The words of my mouth and my heart, they go together. And then, of course, we know in Joshua 1.8, the Lord is speaking to Joshua, says, Keep this book of the law always where? On your, on your lips and meditate on it day and night. And if you do that, your ways will be successful. Meditation is focusing on the Word of God and reflecting on it. And uh, then, of course, confessing and speaking it. You say, well, I, you know, for me, meditation is, do I have to do yoga? If you want to get into some lotus position while you meditate in God's Word, I really don't care. All I'm going to tell you is, some helpful meditating. And people make this really difficult. Let me just make it simple for you. Take a phrase that's easy for you to remember. So let's just make it really simple from John 3.16. God so loved the world. So you get up in the morning, you choose that phrase. God so loved the world. Now how long will it take you to memorize that? Five seconds? Okay. Then you take off, drive to work, and the rest of the day, whenever you have free mental time, you simply think about God so loved the world. And you start to naturally ruminate, and that causes you to what? Ask questions about it. Or to say, God, that is so incredible. It will prompt your interactive walk with God. God, it's amazing that you would love the world. This world is a messed up place, and you love this world. I mean, it'll cause you to begin to think expansively. It'll begin to enlarge your understanding, your value of who God is and His life. All of it's a matter. For 24 hours, choose a phrase to just meditate on. Then you someday added journaling into your discipline. Now there's a whole world of knowledge and, and revelation that's going to come your way. My point is what? The Word of God has to be a part of our normal disciplines of getting fit as Christians. Are you all with me? Amen. Number two. Second one is obvious. It's prayer. It's prayer. When we say prayer, uh, what we're talking about is conversing with God, an interactive conversation with God. Prayer uh, should be central to our disciplines. It ought to be daily. In fact, the Bible says we ought to pray what? Without ceasing. That doesn't mean we don't do our jobs when we're on the clock. What that means is we develop a constant awareness of God and we're communing with God in a fellowship kind of a matter all the time. We're just always back and forth communicating, talking back and forth to God. That's praying without ceasing. There's different kinds of prayer, as you well know. There's the prayer of intercession. There's the prayer of petition. There's the prayer of thanksgiving. There's the prayer of agreement. And on and on we go. So there's many different forms of prayer that the Bible embraces. All of them are valuable. All of them have their appropriate place. Uh, we know that Jesus modeled for us the, the correct kind of a discipline, didn't he? Jesus never attempted to do ministry without spending time with his father. And the moment that he finished, finished doing ministry and meeting with people, what did he do? He separate himself and have time alone with the Father. What was he doing? Praying. He admonished his disciples, come and pray with me. And they'd last a little while and then they'd fall asleep, right? But Jesus 
modeled having a very consistent discipline of prayer. Now, I don't believe for one moment that Jesus prayed because he had to. I believe Jesus prayed because he wanted to. Many of you have heard me tell the story, but my own testimony is that I have experienced in my season as a believer um, where many times that I remember thinking of prayer and the responsibility of prayer being a drudgery. The idea of praying every day or praying an hour every day or praying 15 minutes every day. There were times that that just seemed like utter drudgery for me. But I learned that God wanted to move me from drudgery to delight. To where my prayer experience wasn't drudgery. It was delight. And you know what I learned? There's a word that connects you from drudgery to delight. You know what the word is? Discipline. If you want to move your prayer life, many of you here this morning can say, I'm in that place of drudgery right now. If you'd like to get it to delight, you're going to have to add discipline, which discipline begins with a decision and your own choice to act down that on a regular basis. Jesus modeled it. He commands us to do it. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.8, Therefore I want men everywhere, and that's women too, men and women everywhere to lift up holy hands, to pray lifting up holy hands. We see the example of Daniel in the Bible. He was a man of prayer. Here the scripture says in chapter 6 and verse 10, he got down three times a day on his knees and prayed. The posture wasn't the most important thing, but it does show devotion, doesn't it? He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed, giving thanks to his God. I've oftentimes observed in my travels, I've observed people of the Muslim faith. And as much as I recognize that Islam is a false religion and is deceptive in so many different ways, one thing I have to admit is that I admire some of the, discip the discipline of some of the Muslim believers that I've watched. When it's a certain time of day, they're rolling out the mat and they're on the mat, they're praying. You travel to certain countries and I mean when that, when that noise begins to go off from that uh, the, in, in the community, call, the call to prayer. People are praying. I've oftentimes thought traveling through some countries of the world and watching people of other religions, how dedicated and disciplined they are. I thought, what would happen, Jesus, if the body of Jesus, I mean Christians, serious Christians everywhere, would be as dedicated to prayer as I see some of these false religious people are. I'm like, if we could mobilize just a little bit of that level of prayer, holy smoke, we would shake the world. Wouldn't take long to bring Jesus back. But unfortunately, prayer is a discipline that has not been adopted by many followers of Jesus. You know, this uh, wonderful quote, uh, once again, by Richard Foster is important. He said, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. It is most, most central. All right, let's go to the next one, if we may. Number three, I know you're waiting with excitement for this. Fasting. <laughs> fasting. Well, what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from eating food for spiritual reasons. In other words, not to lose weight. That's a different kind of fasting. Abstaining from eating food for spiritual reasons for an intense period of prayer. 
Now, I would even enlarge that to say that fasting can be the voluntary denial of something that is otherwise a normal function for the sake of spiritual activity. So, for example, our 21 days, uh, we'll talk about regular you know, fasting in a second, but even during this 21 days, we've called this a day of uh, 21 days of what? Prayer and fasting. Because we believe it's important that you develop the discipline of fasting. And it's also easier to do it as a corporate group, to all be engaged in some level of fasting activity for this 21 days. It's just easier to do that. So some of you may, hopefully you've already begun to think, well, what am I going to fast? What's our fasting plan? Because you're living with other people, and, and I know people that do it differently, and everybody, it's up to you, and you, know, uh, you can do it however you want to. We have some guidelines in our resource material on our website about uh, how to fast and what not to do and cautions about that, but you've got to figure it out. How are you going to do it? Because if, if mama don't do it and dad's doing it, you've got to talk through that. I know, I know families who, mom, dad, all the kids, dogs, cats, and horses are all fasting. I, 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 I mean, I know people that do it that way. I know people that choose to fast for X number of days at a time. They say, I'm going to fast for this number of days, a complete fast. I know other people that are adopting what we call a Daniel fast, which is basically just eating fruits and vegetables. I know other people that have chosen uh, to say, I'm, what's really important to me is I love sweets. Oh, I love sweets. And so for 21 days, I'm going to go 21 days with no sugar, no sweets. God bless. Bo, I said that just for you, brother, just for you. Oh, you see, let, let me tell you something. If your decision about fasting doesn't deprive you, if it doesn't hurt a little, you're probably not doing it right. I know y'all, want, y'all don't want to hear that, do you? Y'all know what I'm saying? No, we're just kind of like preparing for uh, athletic competition. If, if you're trying to train for that, if you're not doing something that pushes you, you're not training right. Am I right? Same thing with fasting. You have to do something that's kind of pushing you. I know people that decide during these seasons of fasting, I know people who are fasting from media. I know youth groups who have decided for certain periods of time to fast from electronics. After 24 hours, the kids all need deliverance after that. I mean, I, I, know, I know people who have certain addictions of certain things. That, I mean, if they fasted from it, it's like, that is a big deal. So fasting is denying yourself, but it's not just self-denial. It's denying something and eliminating something to give you time and focus for something spiritual. So the idea is to replace it with something spiritual. So instead of eating lunch, pray. Read the word and pray for your lunch break. Do y'all understand the point? Okay. So um, the focus of biblical fasting is always on spiritual purposes. I could give you plenty of Bible examples. And by the way, in some of the resources that we have available online, I gave you a whole bunch of scriptures on fasting. So you can see not only what it is, but even what you can expect. I challenge you to expect God to reveal himself to you in some special way during this season of fasting. I challenge you to expect God to speak and to show you things. And uh, different people, it works different ways. I know people that while they're fasting, they get revelation. And for me, it's always after the fast. I rarely get anything but hungry during a fast. But on the back end of the fast, 
All of a sudden, I'm starting to get downloads. And that's great. So everybody's different. But I challenge you, some of you are like, I've never ever fasted before in my life. Well, start small. Look at some of the guidelines that we provided you. But try to get disciplined in this important area. I think it will be helpful for you. Y'all still with me? Yes. Number four. This is one you probably didn't expect. It's the discipline of community. The spiritual discipline of community. You say, well, I didn't know community was a spiritual discipline. It is. It is a normal habit that needs to be entered into on a consistent basis, and it's a result of a discipline and a decision. Community isn't I'm not talking about the community of Hampton Roads. I'm talking about the community of believers you're connected to. Community, a good definition is, this is engaging fellow disciples of Jesus and doing life together. We don't have to look far in the New Testament to see that the early church and Christian life was designed to be enjoyed and practiced together. Not independent of one another, not isolated or insulated, but enjoyed together. And yet there are many Christians who are trying to be fit, but doing it independent of community. And you can't do it. Now, we all know the Bible verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 that tells us not to neglect meeting together. Now, here's the problem. We've been living in a pandemic for a couple of years. And as we progress onward, one of the greatest damages, in my personal opinion, is that is the, um, we've hear, heard a lot, and I fully concur with the, some of the mental health damages, socialization damages done to our children because of school stuff. I believe there is equal damage done to believers who, for many various reasons, have changed their habits of fellowshipping and community together. Let me say as a caveat, I fully understand the necessity, necessary, I can't fellowship with believers physically right now for this reason. I understand necessary reasons and legitimate reasons, health reasons, etc. But what I don't think is healthy is when we fall into the habit of not being in community. Because it has been so easy to be isolated. And Jesus never designed us to live in isolation. And I am deeply concerned about habits being undermined over these years, these couple of years, and people simply aren't living in community well with one another. I think we have to revisit it. I think some of us are going to have to get set free from convenience. Because it's a whole lot easier to wake up at 10.30 and to get a cup of coffee and sit and watch church in your robe as it did more than it is to sit next to a believer and to actually have a conversation. That's just, that's a no-brainer, all right? So let's understand that community is a discipline. And disciplines begin with a heart-level decision. Let's look at number five. Number five is worship. I don't need to tell you much about this because y'all understand worship. Worship involves praising God's greatness, his goodness, his beauty, and words, and music, and ritual, and even silence. We know that from the Bible, there's all different examples of worshipers. David and the psalmist were great worshipers. Jesus said, I'm looking for those who are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. 
The psalmist says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. There's all different postures of worship. There's different practices of worship. But worship is critical to your spiritual health. It is a daily spiritual discipline that we've got to reinvest in. Let this boot camp of 21 days be a time that you are reinvesting in personal worship. Today, it's not even hard like it used to be. Now all you got to do is turn on, turn on audio, this and that. Uh, tell, tell Alexa to get her act together and start playing you the right kind of music. Play worship music, play praise music, play, play something that's going to enhance your worship day to day. We really don't have much excuse when it comes to worship discipline today. Number six, this one's going to shock you, solitude. One of the spiritual disciplines we need to think about is what about solitude? Solitude is refraining from interacting with other people in order to be found alone with God and found by Him. This is kind of the flip side of community. As important as community is, as important as relationships are, your relationship with Jesus needs some solitude to it. Solitude is alone time with God. We live in a society which finding solitude is tough. You have to be really intentional and disciplined in order to find solitude. Solitude allows you, it's really more of a state of mind and state of heart than it is a place. But you've got to find a way to have solitude. Someone told me many years ago when I was going through my own burnout experience and uh, <clears throat> I was addicted to busyness and just didn't have any, no solitude in my life. When I came through that recovery time, one of the things that a counselor said to me is, um, one of the first things you lose when you're overly busy, the first thing you lose is reflection time. And I was thinking to me, reflection? What's reflection? And I learned that it was really true. Now I use it as a barometer. When I do very little reflecting, I'm too busy. Because it's while we reflect, God gives us downloads, inspiration, vision, renewed ideas comes to us when we have solitude. Lastly, number seven is service. Service. For some reason, that slide messed up, so I apologize. Number seven is service. It is services utilizing our God-given abilities and gifts for serving others and the local church. It's a discipline to choose to serve. It's easier for some people than others, but choosing to serve as a normal disciplined part of your walk with Jesus is important. Using your gifts to the benefit of others and the local church. So I've covered this morning seven spiritual disciplines. All of them require physical action. All of them require a decision from you and from me. Remember, physical training, physical exercise has value. But spiritual training, training in godliness, should be a far greater goal for all of us. I charge and challenge you, let these 21 days starting tomorrow be a boot camp for you and a way for you to reset and recalibrate all of these spiritual disciplines. Would you stand with me, please? 
I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come forward. I'm going to pray with you. Pastor Crystal's going to come and dismiss you after this moment of prayer. If you need prayer in a personal area in your life, this is an opportunity for you to come. If you're watching online, you need prayer, you'll simply need to text the word PRAY to that text number, and we will pray for you. You know, we don't need to just stuff our problems. We need to share them with someone, let someone agree with us. One of the forms of prayer is what? The prayer of agreement. So please take advantage of this opportunity. Would you bow your heads just for a moment as I pray with you this morning? Would you just be honest with Jesus right now? I, while your heads are bowed, I, I want to say this. I don't expect for you to work on all seven areas during these 21 days because uh, then you'll be very ineffective. But I would ask that you let the Holy Spirit put on your heart two or three of these disciplines that you feel like, well, those are the most vital for me. And your spiritual fitness, your spiritual vitality, what is it that you feel like God has put on your heart to really lock into? Holy Spirit, I pray that you be clear with each of us. Show us, Lord, where you want us to focus ourselves. Thank you for the grace of God and the grace of the Holy Spirit that's going to be flowing in and through us during not only these three weeks, but even moving forward into 2022, that we will be in training all the time, in training for godly living. Bless us, Lord. Keep us safe and healthy. In Jesus' name. Pastor Chris will come and just speak a blessing over us as we dismiss. Oh, I know that you guys needed that word this morning just like I did. Make sure you go back and, and watch this again. If you're watching us online, watch this again. I know I'm going to go back and watch it again too. But but this morning as, as I look out over the, the people that are in this room and talking to you, joining us online this morning, I just want to encourage myself and encourage you that we were created for more, <laughs> and God wants to give us more. So I just bless you as you begin to develop the muscles that God is really encouraging you in, in the areas of prayer and fasting and community and worship and solitude and service and just consuming his word, that, that those margins would all of a sudden have room in your lives. I pray that around your dinner tables and your conversations that you're having at work and with your family members, that the word of God would come bubbling up and come alive. I pray for an increase of your hunger for his word, of your hunger for community, of your hunger for reflection time with him. And I speak over you today that he is with you, he goes before you, he's going to be walking with you through this 21 days. He's holding your hands and walking you beside the still waters that will restore your souls. And so today, God, we say that we trust in you, we put our hearts and we set our eyes on you in Jesus' name. We love you, church family. We have a blessed week. And if you need to call somebody, call somebody in this room because we're all fasting and we're praying together. Amen? Yeah. All right. Have a good one.